My name is Patrice, mental health therapist in training, and welcome to the podcast. You're in the right place if you're looking for a little raw honesty from someone who knows just a little something, but is forever humbled by the reality of still trying to figure it all out. Stay a while as I discuss, emphasis on cuss, all things concerning navigating renewed and updated faith, healing trauma, and reconciling the randomness of life. Now, I can't guarantee that you're going to laugh, but as for me, I'm going to give it a little chuckle to get through the tough shit. At the end of the day, we are all trying to get good at life. Let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode of My Intrusive Thoughts. (laughs) Start with a funny. There was this uh, tweet that was like, what's the brokest thing a man's ever done around you? And, you know classism and all that aside quote tweeted and put this in and I was like no further questions at this time but I'm going to add the further detail at this time um was when I was talking to this I met this guy you know what it was Labor Day Parade Brooklyn antics antics I was in my early 20s he was at least He was somewhere between seven to 10 years older than me. I remember that he was 32. I don't remember how old I was, but I was in my early 20s. We met, we met because I was wilding out in the parking lot of a Popeye's with my friends because the Popeye's ain't have no chicken. I'm pretty sure the Popeye's ain't had no chicken. And so this man thought that this was so endearing that I was wilding out. And that was probably my first clue that this was somebody that I should not take seriously, right? Based on how I was wilding out. Because this is not typically me, right? I have my moments. But it was not one of my proudest moments. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. It was just a wild time in the morning. We just come from a party. But I really needed some chicken. like, And they didn't have them. They had like tenders. And I don't like tenders. Not from the Popeyes anyway. And we exchanged information blah 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 so at this time I was attending school on a campus that I took a train to be Uh, I was supposed to be coming back home um for that weekend to be in the city and we're supposed to link up you know what that means and he was like he was gonna pick me up from the train station okay I was like cool you know (laughs) The insinuation of pick me up from the train station. All right. So I'm coming with a suitcase, like a little suitcase. Nothing too crazy. Very small. Weekend. I get off the train. And I'm like, you know, I'm here, blah, 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 blah. The man pulls up on a bicycle. And I'm just kind of like, so what now? I don't remember if we had already been, you know, intimate with each other or not as to why I proceeded to comply with what was next. Um, But also early 20s, I was just a very impressionable person. I was very not confrontational. I still struggle with not being as confrontational as I could be. And then I have moments where I'm like super confrontational and everybody's looking at me like, oh, okay, you're here. Um, And so now the instruction is that I need to call 
Whereas I otherwise would have either gotten on a bus and gotten to where I lived, $2 and change, right? Um, or I would have called an Uber or I would have had like one of my family, my, my father pick me up or something, something of the sort. I'm now responsible for getting myself, my bag, this grown ass man and his bicycle across Brooklyn to get to his house. You know what? I think we did. I think we did dibble and dabble already before this. I do it, of course, because, yeah. So I now have to call not just an Uber, but an Uber XL because it has to fit his bicycle in the back of this vehicle to go across Brooklyn to get to his home. And uh, yeah, I did that. I did that. I also, I'm, I'm pretty sure... I like left at like three o'clock. The home has like four other men in it who are also sleeping over, but in very questionable conditions. Now again, I could be mixing up two situations. This is a long time ago, but I'm pretty sure I left at like four o'clock in the morning or something like that, three, four in the morning. And one of them seen me as I was like sneaking out the bedroom about to leave the house because I called my Uber. And he was like, oh, that's not very nice. Like, you're just going to leave like that? And I just looked at him and blinked. Like, you don't know what I've been through. Get me. Unlock this door and let me out. Thank you. I have lots of thoughts about what the state of dating is like now and I'm a person who in between like serious relationships or situationships because those are also pretty serious these days unfortunately I take breaks typically depending on what happens I've had one very unfortunate situation where there was like boom boom relationship relationship I don't recommend that but I was a teenager at that time those things don't really count but I take breaks And, you know, between having been in that monogamous situation and the break, by the time I quote unquote hit the streets, I always get that like first blast of wind where you realize the streets is different. Who got the the new rules? What's going on out here? And what's like, what do I need to know? And it's always something drastically different from the last time that I was in the streets. And then, you know, in those pauses and stuff where I'm like intentionally not dating, intentionally not dealing with with people's sons or whatever, it's I've done like intentional like introspection or intentional just let me sit my ass down, you know. Because I don't know, I feel like the streets get savagier and Patrice gets softer. And perhaps my like, let me heal, let me find a nicer way to be, is just not moving at the right pace for what the streets are doing. Maybe I should put this a different way. I have come a long way in trying to present this like best version of myself for dating and by best version I mean like this ultra aware 
ultra just like I take everything into consideration before I react, before I speak version of myself. And for so many reasons, it's uh, it's made, it's taken a toll on me who I am and what I've been through. And it's not honored my history, my process, and the experience I have inside my body. What I mean by that is I'm a person, and we'll we'll get there on this whole thing that I'm doing, that has experienced severe and complex trauma over many years. And I've allowed um, this larger narrative about you know, healing and being healed before you enter into certain situations and partnerships and relationships and all that to make me feel like I needed to fix it or put a bow on it, put it in a box, lock it, throw away the key before I get into a situation to make me feel like if I didn't have a handle on it at all times, I would not be worthy of sharing space with another person romantically or emotionally. And I recently realized that I do not owe anybody that. Or rather, that is a disservice to my personhood. And that it is okay for me to want someone who, or to to want someone who is going to allow me to have moments where I'm not able to do that. That trauma and triggers does not disqualify me from love. Basically that. Right? And I've I've noticed a lot with cishet men in particular. Doing the work and actively working at just trying to figure out how to be and, and how to get better is not enough. They feel like if it's not this like complete that you haven't done anything. And also there's no such thing, right? As a person who does therapy with other people. And I think that's also why they don't allow themselves to start a healing process. Because if it doesn't have this end point, what's the point? That's not what healing is. Right? Um, they expect that if you've done the work, if you're doing the work, but if you've done the work, then it should come with this eraser and you should no longer feel triggered. You should no longer feel the effects of your trauma. And as a result, they will no longer feel the effects of your trauma and your triggers. So they are not responsible for you know, talking to you softly so that the raised voice doesn't make you feel like you're back to five years old when your father was yelling at you. But that's not realistic for anybody. And part of loving someone, being with someone, dating someone, being in relationship to anyone, being a friend, loving a child, anybody 
is loving everything that comes with them and how their body is wired, how their body is experiencing the world, whatever it is for the moment that they're in or where they're at in life. And the fact that other people have violated me and other people have traumatized me and I am figuring out what that means for me to show up in the world as an adult does not disqualify me from being able to receive love from another person. That would be completely unfair. Especially in the context of people who believe in religion and faith and Jesus and, and all that. Let's let's narrow it down because that's often something that comes from like very Christian men. And in my experience, of course, and then talk from where my from my vantage point, I can't speak from others. Um if that was the case, then your Jesus, your God, your Christian God could not love you. But then again, I guess that's kind of part of the message that we get in these very restrictive um, versions of Christianity, right? Is that because you've did you've you've done this shameful thing, you are shame. And that's why I have to send my son to be shame, and you should inherit that shame for the rest of your life. Because how dare you be the sinful thing that caused me to send my son to become shame, and now shame for the rest of our lives. Well, that's not a great way to live it, but so I feel like we'd be freed if we <laughs> would just accept that everybody has a load of shit that they're all carrying. And this expectation that doing we can do work to erase the load of shit, it's not possible. But Maybe I don't poke at the load of shit on your back. Maybe I'm aware that I don't put the load of shit on my left shoulder because my left shoulder is weaker at carrying the shit. That's That would also require communication, honesty, and all these things that... Anyway... So, so uh, my favorite um, dating fail, I was really not even trying to date for real. I was just trying to get like, you know, out there. I mean, let's say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> was hitting the streets and having like people just ask me for money and by this time like I have I, I was like a very very different version of myself and even just how I dealt with men in general was just very very different and I met this this dude at the gym chocolate you know it's like a little tall whatever I'm like yeah I'm I'm just like trying to get out there. I, I okay. I gave him my number, and you know we talk now. To be honest, he was a little. He was he was. I ignored I ignored a red flag. I did. I ignored a red flag, but I was just trying to get ran through. You know, I was just trying to get ran through real quick. Like he, I feel like he got the he got the yeah for it. Like it's gonna happen. 
I, I wasn't paying no attention to none of that. Like foolishness. I know I know how to spell it, foolishness. And but I, I when I said I looked, I looked crazy, I looked crazy. You know what I'm saying? So we finally link up. He's talking about he could pick me up. I don't let nobody come to my house. You know, I'm not doing that no more. Don't pick me up from nowhere. That's not happening. I'll, I'll get to you. I live in New York City. <laughs> There's no need for me to get picked up from nowhere. And I I end up Ubering to where he is. I don't know if I told him I was Ubering or whatever. But I end up Ubering to where he is. It was $12, okay? $12. Get to where he at. Um, we sit in there. His, now, he tells me he's a manager at, like, Amazon. And when I pull up to his house, his apartment in New York City, I'm looking around, and I'm having, you know, unless he's taking care of, like, a whole family cross town or back in some other country, I'm just like, manager at Amazon should afford you a couple of, like, necessities more than what you have in here, but mm, whatever. That's not what I came here for. And he offers me food. It was good. It was it was real good. I'm like, eh. I'm getting paid. Fat bitches winning. You know. Did I say getting paid? I meant getting fed. Fat bitches is winning. So. Okay. So we finally do what we do. And. It was terrible. It was terrible. It was it was terrible. And I really should have just. I, well what it was. was I, I gave him a time limit. On when I could be there because he was trying to do too much. Like he was, I, I couldn't try to spend a day with me type stuff. And I'm like, no, it's supposed to be one time. And then he changed it and whatever. I don't do stuff like that. Like I, I already know the tricks that men play when they do stuff like that. And I was just like, no, you either have the time we originally agreed on up until this time that I said that I was not available, or I can't switch it, but you have less time, way less time, and I gotta go, and blah blah blah. So, anyway, it was trash. It was terrible. Um, it just it, it just wasn't good. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's time to yeah, time to head out. And I hop in an Uber to leave. He at least knows that an Uber picks me up to leave or whatever. And cool, I leave. And I think later in the evening, he tries to ask if I would come back. And I'm like, oh, this is the worst like <laughs> I made all the rookie mistakes cool I've been out of practice for too long I got it that's fine and I'm just like no <laughs> no um because no and the next day he calls me never let never let these niggas get you on the phone randomly in the middle of the day um just out of nowhere, out the blue. Because it's always something. I, I'm a person who doesn't prefer talking on the phone. If I talk to you on the phone, I really like you. Or you're really important to me. Or XYZ, XYZ. Like we have a certain kind of relationship or whatever the case may be. Or you just have really good conversation. And I'm cool with that. Right? Like there's there's these stipulations to talking on the phone for me. And even my mama, after a while, has to get off my phone. Like, I, I'm very serious. 
if you don't have anything to talk about after a while, like I'm not sitting on the phone with you with nothing to say. I, I've done that in the past and it's not cute. It's just not cute. Not for me. I have things. I'd rather sit in silence with myself than have you sit on my phone and just be looking at me. Like, unless you're going to walk around my house, even that, like the sit on the phone while I run, like I got, while I do things around my house or like, you know, do chores. Like I'd rather my own mind and thoughts. I don't like it. I don't like it. I've, I've since graduated from that. Let me not say graduated because it's not like it's some lesser thought. I just, I don't, I don't like it. Period. So, um, I ain't pick, I ain't pick up or nothing. And then afterwards, he, uh, I don't pick up. And he texts me and he's like, basically, I need $400. My car got towed yesterday the same yesterday that he was gonna pick me up and drop me off yeah my car got towed um so I gotta go get it from xyz I'll give it back to you on whatever date whatever day of the week he told me thank you so much as if like I was gonna do it right um blah 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 I just immediately blocked him because what the fuck are you talking about There's so many things wrong with this scenario, right? First of all, you didn't even put it down good enough to make this kind of demand. Let's start there, right? I'm not even like digmatized. So why do you think that I'm at a place where I would even consider this? You've already got me fucked up. (laughs) Number two, are you crazy? And this was actually like the second time in a very short period, in a short enough period of time, in a couple months, that somebody had asked me for a large sum of money after we were, you know, we did do. And I was like, something is different about the streets. Like, this is not, this is not what it used to be. And I don't like this. No way. No way. Um... I'm going to put myself on pause. And I don't know what the solution is to all of that because then then I got to go, you know, and th- go into the to the um the therapy room with people and give them like sound, you know, therapeutic advice. When I really want to be like bitch, he got you fucked up. Do this instead. You know that motherfucker don't got no good intentions. It is so hard to provide advice. Not advice, because therapists don't give advice. A good therapist is not really giving you advice like that unless you go too far. You know, being a black therapist is a whole nother layer. Because sometimes you got to be like, bitch, no. (laughs) but to really guide someone through a thought process like you don't want to gaslight nobody because you know the realities of what the fuck is out there and to be like well maybe did you consider did you fucking consider what that motherfucker just asked you for four hundred dollars and he ain't do shit for it there is nothing else to consider bitch 
and you just met three motherfuckers who did the same thing, something is wrong in the water. You know what I'm saying? The culture is shifting. The climate is changing. You are not wrong for not wanting to put yourself out there. I know you just got out of this sick-ass fucking relationship, and you want to not close yourself off, for, self off from love. But, bitch, the streets is looking like a fucking zombie apocalypse. Blood-sucking-ass shit going on out there. Vampire-ass shit is happening. And perhaps you don't want to dip your toe in that infested-ass water. That's what I be wanting to say. Instead, you know, that that in-between is hard. Because I'm, I'm in the same streets as you, baby girl. I'm in the same streets as you. Chidas, dating stories aside... I think we've essentially lost the plot, right? Like, the social media age has turned everything into a gotcha and everything into a, you know, the viral moment. So much so that, you know, I always say, like, you know, people are not being honest. People are not saying what they really feel. People are not saying what's going on. And we've already, we've always had that problem. It's not a new issue, but I think people are becoming more and more scared to be vulnerable, not just in uh, group spaces or social media, or whatever. And like, you don't have to be vulnerable on social media, right? Like, no one's asking you to do what I'm doing on a podcast and tell you that, you know, I fucked the man who asked me for $400. But even in one-on-one situations, because they're always scared of the, maybe they're going to turn into a screenshot moment. Or whatever the case may be, it's reinforcing people's traumas and people's issues and things that have been cultivated in private spaces and growing up and things like that, that it is not worth it to be honest. It's not worth it to be vulnerable. It's not worth it to get close to somebody because the real truth is people are freaking lonely. People are struggling. People are sad. Like people are portraying on social media people are portraying on these other podcasts that we see that go viral they are not happy okay the fresh and fits of the world and all that crazy shit that people are saying on these podcasts and the alpha males and the some of the soft life girls and they're yeah sprinkle sprinkle if you are getting sprinkled you know kudos to you and i'm not and in no way putting like the life you choose down but some of these people who are then adopting in ways that people are portraying and performing they're not happy because then when you sit in a chair across from the therapist or you sneak and you go into the therapist like Khadija did on living single with the wig on to the side with the glasses you sitting there talking about everybody else and then it's like well what about you when you break down because I've seen it. You pay your copay every week for months. And then finally you're like, I'm just playing. I'm sad as shit. You know? Like, this is what's happening. People are lonely. People want companionship. And you can only, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care for so long. This is how people are developing substance abuse habits, drinking habits. You're finding liquor bottles rolling out of every crevice of their apartment 
that wake and bake, you got to smoke weed before you do anything in your day. Like weed is real cool right now. And I sure do love an edible. But when you can't make it through aspects of your day without smoking, just because it's cool don't mean you don't have a problem. Just because it's not cocaine. Just because it's not crack. It's real cool to laugh at the heroin addict. In our very adversarial stance, in our very adversarial ways that we have developed through relationships because of where we are right now is what has gotten us here. Well, has has made that worse for a lot of us. So while I won't spend my time on this podcast talking about relationships every week and dating and what the men are doing and what the women are not doing and what this type of woman is doing, it is something that we should take stock of, especially in the mental health sense, because people are lonely, because people want companionship. Like, you're supposed to want that. We are communal beings. We are beings whose bodies were made to interact with other humans' bodies, right? Even as a human being who is an introvert, who likes solitude, I also like to be touched on, right? Like if we all get very honest with first ourselves, because that's also where a lot of this playing into one role or another for social media likes and clapbacks in the viral moment is coming from. We're not honest with ourselves first and what we really want because we're letting the the TikTok doom scroll tell us what we think. When's the last time you took a social media fast and sat with your own thoughts? When's the last time you journaled and thought about what you think? You don't have to meditate all the time, but what do you think about yourself? What do you think about what you want? When's the last time that you thought about what you like versus what somebody else told you about what you like? The gurus, the inspirational chats, the pastors, they're all like the inspirational, the motivational speakers. They're all feeding you. Even if it's positive, they're all feeding you their own thoughts. That's why a lot of you struggle in therapy. I'm sitting across from people who cannot tell me about themselves. What do you do when you want to date somebody and learn about them? You go on dates. You spend time with them. When you want to learn somebody's body, you spend time with their body. Spend time with your own body first. And then, also, then you can figure out what you want with and for somebody else. But you know you want companionship. Stop getting on and Twitter fingering like, fuck these bitches. Fuck these niggas. Like, yeah, okay, there's a time and a place because I'm going to do it too. But if you want that, go for it. Be a little bit more intentional about maybe speaking life to something that you know when you're alone, you might cry about it. Ignore the viral moments. Ignore the group chat. 
Your homeboys and your homegirls also are participating in the same thing sometimes. And y'all know that. When you get to a stage where you're like, I just want this stability. Then now it's time to come on out from among them, right? If that's what you want. Again, you could want to thot it out to you 75. Then thot it out. But what I'm noticing, especially when it's time to, again, sit across from someone and create therapeutic goals, they don't know anything other than the fact that they're suffering. It starts with you.